Welcome to Alcofarm. I'm your host, John Bazaar, and I want to wish you all a happy 2019 wherever you are listening. Uh, we, be- we begin this new year with a new regimen, Modified Full Furnox. This was um, something that was presented at ASCO, the Prodage 24 study, which we talked about then. If you go back to June, you can listen to that. But we're going to talk about it now because it was published in the New England Journal of Medicine December 20th of this year, including the supplementary appendix, which is very informative, as well as the protocol you can find there as well. So since we've talked about this study a little bit before, uh, there is some new stuff to discuss, but I, we'll do a, a kind of a brief history of adjuvant treatment for pancreatic cancer. Um, uh, Hetty Kindler writes an editorial that accompanies the Prodigy 24 publication in that December 20th issue of the New England Journal of Medicine. And I encourage any new learners, uh, really in anything, but especially in oncology, whenever there's a big publication in, in a big journal, whether it's Blood or Lancet or New England Journal of Medicine, there usually will be an accompanying editorial that's only one or two pages that really gives you um, the rundown on what you kind of need to know before you read the study. If uh, you're a big follower of television, um, you know, pick whatever show that you watch every week. Well, usually they take about a minute, 30 seconds before a new episode, say previously on. That's basically what this editorial ends up being. It's previously in, and that's the first paragraph, and then they kind of give you some, some context going forward. So there's a really nice summary here. I've added some stuff as well. Uh, so in general, pancreatic cancer, it's a solid tumor. So like most solid tumors, let's take testicular cancer out of that. Surgery is the most important thing. Got to have surgery, only chance for cure, and that's the case with pancreatic cancer. Unfortunately, you know, one in five at best pancreatic cancer patients are candidates for surgery, either because of metastatic disease at presentation or because of local spread. So think of the pancreas. It's in a very crowded neighborhood. So it doesn't take much uh, for those pancreatic cancer cells to spread across the street or down the block. And then, you know, you're in, uh, you you just can't level the whole block because of all the other organs right around the pancreas. Um, And then also, and and this is maybe more of an issue in rural areas, is having access to a really, really good surgeon. Um, Pancreatic cancer can be in the head or the tail. And in the head of the pancreas, that's the the Whipple procedure or the uh, pancreaticoduodenectomy, where they remove the pancreas and the gallbladder and part of the duodenum. It's a really, really big surgery. If you watch Grey's Anatomy, this is what the the interns fight over. It's a big surgery, right? It's ours. Um, So it takes a very talented surgeon to do that and someone uh, that that does that surgery a lot. And if you want to look into that, uh, you know, if you're interested in surgery data, uh, you kind of want to search high volume in your PubMed field when you're looking for that. Uh, surgery alone, though, you got to have that for cure. But even with the with surgery, you know, you're talking less than four percent, or four percent of these patients are alive ten years later. So pretty dismal prognosis. We know that about pancreatic cancer. If you don't know a whole lot about oncology, you know, you know that pancreatic cancer is a dismal prognosis. So the history of adjuvant chemo kind of begins in 1985 with 5-FU plus radiation. Now this is a small study. Uh, 22 patients are randomized to 5-FU plus radiation, 21 to no adjuvant treatment, and the median overall survival was 20 months with 5-FU and radiation compared to 11 months. So almost a doubling of overall survival, but you're talking less than 50 patients. In 2013, we get CONCO 001, which randomized 368 patients to either six months of adjuvant gemcitabine or observation, and the gemcitabine arm was better. Uh, Here comes some numbers. Median disease-free survival, uh, 13.4 months compared to 6.7 months, almost doubling uh, median disease-free survival, or the time uh, that patients did not have uh, the disease come back. Median overall survival was kind of the same, 22.8 months compared to 20.2. Slight edge to gem, 
Five-year overall survival almost double in the gym side of being armed, 20.7% compared to 10.4%. And in the 10-year overall survival, 12.2% with gym versus 7.7% with just surgery. And notice that 7.7% is higher than that 4% that was previously cited, uh, probably owning to advances in surgical techniques. And you see this over and over again. Um, the longer we go on in, in, in medicine, pharmacy, uh, and in healthcare, uh, the same treatment today is better than it was 10 years ago, or in this case, going back almost you know, 40 years to 1985. Uh, then we have SPAC-3, which showed the adjuvant GEM was better than 5-FU and leucovorin. Uh, SPAC-4 in 2017 randomized 730 patients to either six months of gemcitabine or gemcitabine plus capecitabine. Uh, median overall survival for gem alone was 25.5 months, which is in the same neighborhood of the 22.8 months from Conco 001. Uh, now, Jim Cape Sabine was better at 28 months median overall survival. When you look at the survival curves, though, the Kaplan-Meier curves, Jim uh, Cape Sabine are above the Jim alone the whole time, but just barely, and that, they don't really separate until about two years later after 22, 24 months. And the benefit of, of adding Cape Sabine to adjuvant Jim was mostly in those that had negative margins. So those who, after the surgery, there was no microscopic disease on any of the edges of the tissue that was removed. And this leads us to Prodige 24. And Prodige, by the way, is French for Digestive Oncology Research Partnership, or maybe digestive really means gastrointestinal in French. I don't speak French. Uh, so anyway, all these studies, or all these trials, or this trial uh, was conducted uh, solely in French uh, and Canadian centers, presumably French Canadian centers, although I don't know that. So, Prodige 24, almost 500 patients are randomized uh, to either gemcitabine or modified fulfurinox, and they're randomized by trial center, and I think that's important because surgery is so important that you, you don't want to have an outstanding surgeon bring up the results in one arm, or maybe a, a poor surgeon bring down the results in a different arm, as well as uh, nodal status, pathologic in zero, so no nodes after they went into surgery, or in one, uh, an R0 versus R1 resection, an R0 resection would be no uh, disease, so negative margins. R1 would be microscopic disease was still uh, present after the surgery. And then as well as by CA199 level, which is a tumor marker for pancreatic cancer. Uh, the gemcitabine, 246 patients in that arm, 1,000 milligrams per meter squared on day 1, 8, 15, nothing on day 22, every 28 days for six cycles. So day, week 1, 2, 3, week 4 off, and then repeat that and go on for six months. Uh, I think we should pause here and ask why was gemcitabine, capecitabine, not the comparator arm here. Uh, I think a lot of people are very comfortable with gemcitabine, um, and it, you know it's possible that Project 24 was started before the SPAC-4 results came out. Um, Jim Cape would have been, you know, maybe a better comparison here, um, but Jim is certainly, uh, I think, it, you know, it's okay. It's okay just for Jim alone. I mentioned that Jim Cape was better than Jim alone, although not, it wasn't wildly better. It was a little bit better. And then modified fulfurinox, so 247 patients in this arm. And the modified fulfurinox is the fulfurinox you might be familiar with from metastatic pancreatic cancer. Um, but without the 5-FU bolus and a lower dose of irinotecan. So it's 85 milligrams per meter squared of oxaliplatin, leucovorin 400 milligrams per meter squared, both of those given over two hours. 30 minutes into that infusion, you start the irinotecan. Originally, the dose was 180 milligrams per meter squared in this study. After about 160 patients, they bumped that down to 150 milligrams per meter squared, and that irinotecan runs for 90 minutes, 
and then the 5-FU bolus of 2,400 milligrams per meter squared for 46 hours, and that's every two weeks for 12 cycles. So both the gym and the modified fulfurinox are basically six months or 24 weeks in duration. Now the study was stopped early due to ethical reasons because the modified fulfurinox was obviously going to be better. And we see a median disease-free survival of 12.8 months with Jim, all the way up to 21.6 with modified Felferinox at the P of less than 0.001. Median overall survival, a fairly high 35 months in gemcitabine. Remember, we saw 22 and 25 months in the previous adjuvant gym studies. So 35 months, gym alone, really good compared to 54.4 months with modified Felfernox, way good, a p-value of 0.003. Uh, Three-year overall survival, um, so that's 36 months uh, overall survival. Um, median follow-up was only 33 months so far in this study, so 48.6%, three-year overall survival gem, about absolute increase of 15% in the modified Felfernox arm at 63.4%. As you would expect, there was more toxicity in the modified Felfernox. You're giving one Antineoplastic in gym, you're giving three with the 5-FU and Aranticant and the Oxaloplatin and modified Fulfurinox. So as you would expect, there was more diarrhea in modified Fulfurinox as well as more neuropathy, uh, more mucositis, and more nausea and vomiting. So that stuff, uh, you know, we had a little bit more data in this publication uh, with regards to efficacy than I think we saw at ASCO. But we also get some really nice Oncofarm-specific data that, that I think is interesting. So, as far as delivery of all planned cycles, 79% of patients got all, you know, six cycles of gym. Of as far as how many people got all 12 cycles of modified fulfurinox, that number is only 66.4%, and that is statistically significant as, as a difference. If you look at what percentage of patients had at least 70% of the dose intensity, so this factors in doses missed and dose reduction. Uh, so 91.4% in the gym arm got at least 70% of the total chemo that uh, was prescribed. That number is less than 50% in the modified Fulfurinox, 48.7%. So obviously modified Fulfurinox is much harder uh, to stay on schedule. And in fact, uh, more than half of the patients, so 56.8% of patients in modified Fulfurinox required GCSF uh, as a prophylactic measure uh, following chemo to stay on schedule. And GCSF was allowed uh, in the study. And if you go into the supplementary appendix, you can see uh, what the dose reduction schedule and the dose delays are. Uh, so if you're in charge at your organization of building care plans and, and Epic Beacon Mosaic, whatever you use or and, and building those order sets, it's great to go and get this supplementary appendix so you can build in these dose reductions um, uh, off and on, I've been reading Vincent DeVita's Death of Cancer, and um, I've been reading it for several, for several months. And uh, in one of the uh, in one of the chapters, he talks about when he first published the results for MOP. Put in a plug there for our MOP pod from a couple months ago. He talks about how they he, they saw great results at the NIH with MOP for curing Hodgkin's lymphoma, but other centers weren't seeing the same rates. They didn't buy it. And in talking to them, he realized they weren't seeing the same results because they weren't doing MOP the right way. In some cases, they weren't even using the, the same drugs. They were substituting the drugs. They were, they were, they were delaying unnecessarily. Uh, they were reducing the dose uh, in a way that was not consistent with the publication. And if you don't do it, 
the way the publication says to do it, you're not going to get the same results. So this is adjuvant treatment of a very hard disease to treat. It's a very aggressive treatment, but if you're going to do it, you might as well do it the way it's been shown to produce you know, a median overall survival of over 50 months. So go in there and look at those and follow those if you're managing patients with this. Uh, so I did mention that prophylactic GCSF, uh, this is reading from the, the supplement, prophylactic GCSF is advised when there is cycle delay due to basically neutropenia. Uh, for example, for febrile neutropenia, they said that you, if there's an episode of febrile neutropenia, with the next cycle, you give the same doses of chemo, but you give GCSF on days 5 to 10. You're probably used to giving a lot of pegfilgrastim at your center. I know we do a lot too. Technically, pegfilgrastim needs to be given uh, no earlier than 14 days of the next chemo. Well, you know, the chemotherapy in this regimen starts on day one, ends 48 hours later, and you have to wait 24 hours after that to give your pegfilgrastim. There's really not time to get that in before, uh, you know, 15 days after you start to start the next cycle. So you'd have to do GCSF, biosimilar would be okay as well. Uh, for six days, so days five to ten, uh, and that's something that is probably worth mentioning to providers uh, using this as well as um, billion order sets because at least half the patients in this study required that GCSF, and these patients are probably on average healthier than the patients you and I are going to be seeing in our clinic. Um, grade three or four diarrhea was worse in cycles one and two. Uh, and then went back down to a fairly low rate thereafter. So probably patients got used to it and providers and had their loperamide on hand and were ready to do that. Uh, I mentioned earlier that the gym cytobine alone arm had a really high median overall survival of 35 months, whereas you know the previous studies we talked about, uh, CONCO001 and SPAC04, or SPAC4, they had median overall survivals of 22.8 and 25 months with gym cytobine. So why? is the median overall survival almost a year better in Prodigy 24 than others? Well, the, the authors uh, theorize that that's because a whopping, not a whopping, but as an expected, maybe 75% of patients in the gemcitabine arm at relapse got full furanox. Not modified, but the full-blown full furanox at relapse, um, which was a fairly new regimen and wasn't necessarily available at the time of Conco 001. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, you know, as you do the same trial 10 years later, it's probably going to be better just because you have better treatments available than were there 10 years later. Same with surgery, better drugs, better radiation techniques. Now, the folks in the modified full furanox arm, half of them, 47.5%, just did gym alone, and only 28.7% did gym abraxane. Um, you know, maybe they were worried about the neuropathy with all the oxaloplatin in modified full furanox, so they didn't add the abraxane as much. The article does mention two patients in whom the oxaloplatin-induced neuropathy did not reside uh, after stopping treatment. So at least two of those patients I wouldn't have put on gemabraxane. That the others, uh, you know, I'm not sure why gemabraxane was not used as much there. But that's modified fulfurinox. It's a new regimen. I would not be surprised if those of you listening have seen that in practice already just based off of uh, what you've seen in ASCO. Um, if you're seeing some patients that are candidate for adjuvant chemo with pancreatic cancer. Well, that's a good way, I think, to start uh, the new year. Uh, I would encourage you to follow me uh, on, uh, on Twitter at FarmDietnip. Follow the podcast at OncoFarmPod. You can find us on Insta at, Onco, or, uh, at the handle OncoFarmPod. Feel free to, I would encourage you to go on the iTunes and give us a five-star rating review. Tell us what you'd like. Um, you know, it's a new year. 
And the podcast is going to be about the same, though. We're going to keep doing the same stuff. Might do a new thing here or there. Uh, if you're like me and you teach oncology, you got a lot of teaching coming up in the next couple months. So uh, my attention will be divided, but the Onco Farm podcast will go on because people are still going to publish stuff, still going to come out, still got to stay up to date. Uh, thanks for listening, and I hope to see you all a little further down the road. Thank you.